It would be fair to say that we've become an extremely me-first society, especially when you consider the use of social media, both personally and professionally. Now those same attitudes, well, they're infiltrating the idea of customer service and client satisfaction. Truthfully, it's getting ugly across the board. You have people who are angry. You have people who will lie. Uh, you have people who suffer from entitlementia, uh, where they demand everything. So th those kind of people are in every setting, be it restaurant, retail, or corporate. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening to LJN Radio. I'm Tim Muma. On this edition of Management Decisions, we're talking about toxic clients, how to recognize them, avoid them, and even get rid of them altogether if needed. To get all the details, we've enlisted Garrett Sutton, a nationally acclaimed corporate attorney and asset protection expert. He's the founder of Corporate Direct and Sutton Law Center and authored a book titled Toxic Client, Knowing and Avoiding Problem Customers. Garrett, thanks a lot for joining us on the show. Thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, one of the first things that stood out to me just in looking over some of the information I had really was the use of the word toxic. Why go with that term instead of something else that might be able to describe some of these difficult customers and clients? Well, I think toxic is a powerful enough word to uh, really reflect the kind of problems that people are dealing with uh, with clients and customers nowadays. So I chose the word toxic for that very purpose, to, to actually describe the kind of people you'll run into. So what would you say really inspired you to write the book? I mean, it's one thing to you know, have this feeling or maybe experience it yourself, but why go to such lengths to describe this and maybe help out other organizations who experience this type of customer? Well, Tim, I'm a lawyer and I set up companies and LLCs for people, and so I'm involved in protecting people's assets and, and protecting them personally from lawsuits. And in my practice, talking to uh, many clients, I've learned that a number of them are dealing with these challenged customers uh, in their everyday business. So uh, I just heard so many stories uh, that I, I decided it was important to write a book to give people a heads up about the type of customer that is out there. And you need to be kind of forewarned uh, that they're going to be coming in your direction. That's very interesting, just you talking about how many stories you've heard and, again, the companies that you work with. How often would you say these organizations are putting up with these toxic customers or uh, how frequently do they have to deal with them? I mean, what, if, what kind of you see? I know you said a lot, but can you put any sort of number on it anyway? Yeah, I, uh, in my experience, 95% uh, of my business clients have dealt with a toxic client. Wow. That's, 95%. Yeah, that's, that's And then stunning. a number of them, well over half, uh, have, you know, have been stiff. They've never been paid. Um, they've, they've had to resort to collection or small claims actions uh, to get paid. So, you know, there's just a lot of difficult people out there. And as we talk about in the book, you know, people now have uh, drug and alcohol dependencies. Uh, there are people who just feel so entitled to your services at no cost. You know, so it's, it's something that's on the increase rather than on the decrease. We're getting less civil, I think. Hmm. Uh, and that's one of the reasons I wrote the book intriguing comment to use the idea of being less civil. You know, I think we think about that just in our daily interactions, but for you to talk about it in the way of, you know, customers and business, I think that would be a little concerning from my view. <laughs> Where do you draw the line between maybe someone or some people being difficult versus crossing that line into toxic? Is there something or is there a, a group of behaviors or words that come up uh, and that's how you can say, you know, these people really do cross that line and they're toxic? 
You know, that's a really good question because in the book we, we talk about the need for uh, to understand nuance, to understand that some people are going to be legitimately angry at the level of service. And mm-hmm. you have to ask yourself first, did I cause this problem? Did my employee cause this problem? And so you have to be very self-aware in this uh, regard. But once you've answered those questions uh, and it comes out that there was no fault on your part, mm-hmm. then when people act irrational, uh, when you deal with bullies and manipulators, you, you pretty much have to show them the door. Right. This is something that comes up a lot of times we talk with uh, employers and their employees, and it's sort of this idea of if they have more talent, you tend to give them a little more rope. Do you see that happening if maybe a customer is you know, giving more money, they spend more, that maybe you give them a little more rope? Do you see that happening? Is that you know, a dangerous road to go down? What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely. At some point, you know, one of the strategies is to raise your fees hmm. to the point where it's worth it to deal with this toxic person. Okay. So if you are able to uh, get a much higher uh, rate of uh, uh, compensation out of this, uh, sometimes it's worth it to deal with a toxic client. It's personal judgment. Other times, if you were to get five times what you normally charge, it still wouldn't be worth dealing with somebody. <laughs> And I guess that, you know, obviously we're speaking in generalities and it's going to depend on your specific situation and circumstance to make that call. And uh, we're hoping, obviously, with uh, Garrett here talking about some of these instances that it can help you make those decisions. What impact do you think could have on an organization if they are continually dealing with these toxic customers and they're sort of allowing it to be a part of their culture? What do you see as that, that negative component? Well, the negative is that you're going to lose your staff, and, uh, you know, your staff is really important. I, I, in my uh, law practice, I always protect my staff. There's not one client that's worth more than my staff to me. And so uh, as an employer, I think you have to back up your staff. You have to let the staff know that if this person is toxic, you have the authority uh, to not deal with them. Uh, because this person is going to waste your staff's time. Uh, you know, the old 80-20 rule. Um, in this case, uh, 20% of your clients can cause 80% of your problems. Mm. So if you give people authority to not have to deal with these people, they're going to be more effective in dealing with your good clients. Right. And that's another problem, Tim, with the toxic client, is it takes you away from servicing your good clients. We, we really want to value our good clients, and so you have to let some of the bad ones go. Speaking of that kind of idea, how do you prevent this from happening to your organization? And obviously, we can't go into too many details, and if people want uh, the real nitty-gritty, that's what the book is for. But what are some quick-hitting things you could mention as far as either preventing this from happening or if you recognize it, where do you go from there? Well, a couple things. One is, you, at the start, you really need to listen to the client. You know, we call it active listening. So you, you need to focus on what the client is saying. No, don't be texting or checking emails <laughs> at the same time you're interviewing uh, that, that, that first interview for the client. Because a lot of times a client will tell you everything you need to know right up front. Sure. But focus on that at the start. And then at the end, when it becomes clear that you have to do something, you know, you have to dismiss them. One strategy is just to prioritize your, your top 20%. Go work with the people that are your best clients and uh, get rid of the ones who aren't. One way to do that is to, as we discussed earlier, just raise your rates right. uh, and, and see if, if people stay, maybe it's worth it. 
you can uh, devise a schedule or policy that no longer accommodates the toxic client. For example, if you're in marketing and you work with doctors, but your worst client is a dentist, you could say to the dentist, I'm focusing just on doctors now. Mm, okay. Let the client go that way. And, and as we discuss in the book, you want to be professional in all of this. In most cities, there's a small network of people and things get around. So you always want to act in a professional manner. Um, but at some point, you just have to fire the client outright. Uh, it's kind of funny, Tim. One of my clients says, I'm going to, said, I'm going to buy 10 of your books. And the way I'm going to get rid of the client is to give them your book. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever sells the books, right? If that's their strategy, go for it, I say. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> now, is there a difference at all between, and again, we can't touch on every single instance and every single type of organization, but is there a difference between, say, direct customer service, like maybe the restaurant industry or retail, versus if you're talking about, you know, corporate sales where it's a little, you know, there's a little bit of middleman and, and that kind of thing? Do you see a difference as far as dealing with toxic customers or putting up with it more or less in any way? Very good point, Tim, because in the book I talk about the restaurant industry where, you know, if people complain about a hair on their food, they're getting a free meal. Hmm. And I think that's a bad idea. You should certainly <laughs> replace the meal, but you shouldn't give them a free meal. You're just encouraging them to be toxic over and over again. Right. So each industry has its own pattern and its own way of dealing with things. Some of the concepts in the book are universal. Uh, you have people who are angry. You have people who will lie. Uh, you have people who suffer from entitlementia, uh, where they demand everything. So th- those kind of people are in every setting, be it restaurant, retail, or corporate. It's interesting you talk about the entitlement side of things, because I, I think that does, as you said, play a role here. Aside from that, just in general, seeming to be a part of you know, society that we see a lot now, can you put your finger on why we've gotten to this point where you said, you know, it feels like we've gotten less civilized and you felt so inspired, so to speak, that you had to write a book about this? And Can you put your finger on it at all? Well, you know, I, I've seen the changes in our society over the last 40 years. And, uh, you know, people have grown accustomed to thinking that they're first. They mm-hmm. don't have much sympathy or empathy for others. And uh, they're just out for themselves, first and foremost. For example, there's so many people now that think that uh, music and uh, books and films should be free. Hmm. And you're stealing from the artist at that point. That, that's a form of entitlementia when you think that everything should be free and you don't care that the artist is suffering from the fact that they aren't collecting royalties anymore. Sure. Uh, just that little example is kind of a change in our society. Forty years ago, I don't think anybody would have thought that it was right to take from an artist. Sure, you can go to the library. They already paid for the book. But, you know, nowadays people are just free to download everything without any sort of uh, questioning of whether that's right or wrong. Garrett, you know, this is extremely fascinating stuff and I think uh, of great interest to many of our listeners out there. Uh, as we look to wrap up a little bit, what would you give as sort of a, a general piece of advice for companies out there who maybe are worried about this or they're seeing this a little bit? What would you give them sort of as a nice takeaway from our conversation today? Well, two things, Tim. One is if you're starting out in business, you, you really should read the book because people take advantage of new business owners. They don't know what they don't know. And so the book is really important. If you're just getting into business, you need to know 
uh, what kind of people are out there. If you've been in business for a while, you're saying to yourself, yes, I've had that customer. I've seen that before. And a lot of times people will just say, well, it's just business. I have to deal with it. And in my book, I question that. I think that you have to set your own standards and, and really be willing to tell people that they can go down the street. If they get something cheaper down the street, fine, go down the street. Um, you need to get a point to a point where the client needs your services <laughs> more than you need the money. Right. Uh, once you get to that point, you're going to have really good clients. Garrett, again, I think excellent stuff and uh, certainly things that will be very helpful for those that listen to our show here. So thank you very much for coming on and sharing your insights with us. Great. Glad to be here today, Tim. That will do it for us on Management Decisions. Once again, we've been speaking with Garrett Sutton about toxic clients. If you want to get even more details on this subject, check out Garrett's book, Toxic Clients, Knowing and Avoiding Problem Customers. Now, if you have any feedback on this show or you'd like to suggest some future topics, just shoot us an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com, or you can reach out to us on Twitter at the LJN. And you can find all of our episodes at localjobnetwork.com slash resource slash list. And, of course, you can always find them in the iTunes store as well. Thanks once again for listening, everybody. I'm Tim Muma. We'll talk to you later.